Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back. We're back on the air again. For another nine months, it's Parenting Your Challenging Child, brought to you by Live the Balance. This is Dr. Ross Green. I'm joined by my co-host, Susie Porton. Susie, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you, Dr. Green? I am doing well. Did you have a good summer? Yes, we did. Thank you. Um, And you must be in a good mood because your Patriots won last night, yes? Well, I'd be in a better mood if I actually saw most of the game, but um, those 8.30 start times are just killer for me. So I left the game when they were up 10 to nothing and was pleased to see that they were able to hang on, although just barely. Uh, Not easy to win without Tom Brady or Rob Gronkowski, but um, they managed and um, I don't know, you guys must be a little um, not yeah. so happy this morning <laughs> because the Buffalo Bills are already in last place. I'm nodding my head yes. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's not to, pretty you know, around it's here. It's hard to be in last place all the time. And yeah. it's, you know, it's hard to be in first place all the time. And as long as we all realize that none of that really matters, as much as we make it out to, then we'll be just fine. Right. Yes, football season has begun again. I'm kind of happy about that. It's a very crisp day here in Portland, Maine this morning, probably in upstate New York as well. We're in the 50s, and it's been a beautiful, though dry, summer, and we're ready to do Parenting Your Challenging Child again, yes? Yes. Yes, we are. Let's give the number for our listeners. The number is 347-994-2981. And then press 1. Then press 1. Often on these calls where we haven't been on the air for a while, since we always take the summer off, um, people are just getting into the groove again. And I, um, well... uh, We always get lots of callers on this program. We'll just see if we do today. Anything that you wanted to start with before we um, get rolling with the many emails that have piled up over the summer? I just wanted to say that it's a most important uh, time of year, back to school, um, time for parents to deal proactively with their children and their school and collaborate um, on, their, on their children's uh, lagging skills and unsolved problems and to make a meeting with the uh, counselor or, and or principal, school psychologist, and really let people know uh, who your child is and what difficulties they might be struggling with that they're not lacking in motivation. It's just uh, they're having some problems, 
and um, they need to be worked out collaboratively and proactively. I found that that was such a helpful thing to do in the beginning of the school year. Good deal. Shall we get going with some email? We've gotten some very interesting ones over this summer. Shall we get going? Sure. Here we go. Uh, this one was received in late July. While I agree with your plan B and see how it may be life-changing in our home of outbursts, I do have some concerns and questions before I dive into this approach. My daughter can be a bully in our house to both her older sisters. She is physical and can have verbal outbursts, sometimes unpredictably at home. I'm hoping to find out more about why this occurs, but my concern is that as we begin to problem solve, she certainly will not just immediately stop lashing out and or being physical with her sisters in the meantime. Uh, truly, I don't believe she or any sibling will never fight with each other. So, is there no way to make this offense punishable? I really struggle with the notion that I should allow one kid to punch the other and not impose a consequence. Uh, a very interesting one. Um, uh, Susie, what do you think? Do you want to give that one a stab first, or would you like me to? Um, I could try. Go for it. Yes, I'm just uh, trying to collect my thoughts here. Um, uh, siblings will have disagreements. Um, however, we taught our son who was having the most difficulty with uh, physical and verbal outbursts, um, instead of focusing on the hitting and the screaming, we tried to look at what problems were coming up that was causing that behavior. And then we um, met with him at a quiet time and not focusing on the behavior, but focusing on the unsolved problems and lagging skills that he was experiencing, we um, help. We helped him, which is in accordance with your model of collaborative and proactive solutions. Yeah, I think bullying in this email refers to the kid's behavior, and I get it. Um, she is trying to solve problems with her sisters in ways that are physically and verbally aggressive. And I guess bully is as good a word for that as any, but no word is really going to get us at the unsolved problems that are occurring between the sisters that are causing the one daughter to respond in ways that are maladaptive. So I get it. We don't want her to um, have verbal or physical outbursts. I don't agree that they are unpredictable. I think that they are predictable. If we make a list using the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, 
um, where we are going to document all of the disagreements that are causing conflict between the one daughter and her older sisters, and perhaps even between the older sisters and each other, um, because otherwise we won't know what problems we are trying to solve. And if we don't know what problems we're trying to solve, then the one daughter is going to keep lashing out and being physical with her sisters. Um, I don't. I, I agree with the statement that. Uh, well, I don't agree with the statement that siblings will never fight with each other. I would agree if the statement was that they were never going to. That they were always going to have disagreements. Humans have disagreements with each other. And sometimes those disagreements occur between siblings. And uh, siblings can be pretty hard on each other, Susie, as you know well. Mm-hmm. But the big question now, so we need a list. We need to engage these kids in solving problems collaboratively. And now the question is, should we refer to the fact that the one daughter is um, responding to disagreements in ways that are maladaptive, should we, number one, call that an offense, and should we punish it? But I got this bet, I could be wrong, that that offense has been being punished with adult-imposed consequences. And if that approach was working well for this daughter, who I'm certain, if I'm right, if I'm right that she's been being consequenced for lashing out physically and verbally all along, then I'm probably also right that she's well aware of the fact that lashing out verbally and physically is not okay. So I don't think we need consequences to teach her that. Um, what we need is plan B to solve the problems that she's lashing out physically and verbally about. Consequences aren't going to solve those problems. And once those problems are solved, I would anticipate that there would be a significant reduction in the lashing out. I would anticipate that the daughter who's lashing out and the other two will start to learn over time how to solve problems with each other. And I think that over time we will find that those consequences weren't doing us any good in the first place. Susie, anything to add to that before we move on to the next one? Well, just in one You've of your... You've got some early, experience with this. In one of your earlier editions of The Explosive Child, I think there was a quote, something like, you never... You come to understand that the punishment will will never be effective because it doesn't teach lagging skills and solve problems that um, consequences and punishments um, can only don't help and indeed make things worse. Consequences frequently throw fuel on the fire, and we aren't looking to throw fuel on the fire. Um, We're not looking for there to even be a fire let alone having there be fuel on it. If there's already a fire, we're looking to see if we can take the fuel out of the mix, Um, and that's what solving problems collaboratively does. Three steps. The empathy step, 
helps ensure that the kids' concerns are heard. The define adult concern step, if this is kid adult problem solving, the define adult concern step is where the caregiver's concerns will be heard. If this is kid kid problem solving, then the other kid's concerns are heard in the second step. Um, the invitation is where everybody's putting their heads together to come up with a solution that addresses the concerns of both parties. If we don't think that the siblings can sit together for those first two steps, they can be done separately and then brought together to discuss a solution. That's all I got on that one. Thank Sounds you very good. much for emailing. And by the way, just by way of reminder, since this is our first program of the fall, um, my wonderful associate here at Lives in the Balance, Jill, emails people whose questions are responded to on this program to let them know that those questions have been responded to and to give them the link so they can listen to our response. Let's move Great. on to another one, shall we? Sure. This is from a clinician, but it is about parents, so we're including it on this program. Hi there, I am a children's therapist, and I'm so glad to have found the books and this web page. Uh, by the way, speaking of books, two came out over the summer, um, Lost and Found, which is the follow-up to Lost at School, and the one that came out in August is, of course, called Raising Human Beings, which is why we may have parents listening in on this program whose children are not uh, especially behaviorally challenging. It's where the uh, collaborative and proactive solutions model is being applied to all children and all people, all human beings. Hi there, I'm a children's therapist and I'm so glad to have found your books and this webpage. I have some parents that are going to use this approach, but I'm wondering what advice you have about the big tantrums their daughter will likely still have during the transition over to CPS. My thought is that they would do best to have very minimal reaction, have her in a safe and closed area. She physically attacks mom for the duration of the tantrum, and then uh, when she's out, be positive about her ability to calm down and try to proceed in a positive way until it's time to talk about collaborating on solutions. What do you think? Do you have other solutions? Let me take a stab at that one, Susie, and then we'll see if you have uh, want to add your two cents. Um, a big part of this model is oriented around doing this proactively. Um, and to decide, first of all, what are the unsolved problems that the family could be working on? Secondly, and to make a list of them using the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. Secondly, to prioritize which ones are going to be worked on first with plan B. You're picking two or three to work on initially. And the rest, you're using plan C. Plan C is the prioritizing plan. The unsolved problems that are placed in plan C um, are being set aside, at least for now. Unsolved problems that are set aside, at least for now, shouldn't cause tantrums anymore because these are expectations that have been removed for now. And an expectation that has been removed shouldn't cause a tantrum. 
It's unmet expectations that are causing challenging behavior. If an unmet expectation isn't unmet because it isn't being expected, it won't cause a tantrum. And that leaves us only with the two or three initial high-priority unsolved problems that we are working on with Plan B. Now, notice we are deciding what plan each unsolved problem should be handled with proactively. So these are not heat-of-the-moment decisions that parents are making about what plan to use. This is being decided proactively so that Plan B can be proactive and so that removing the unsolved problem, setting it aside at least for now, can also be proactive. The big goal here is to get people out of the heat of the moment, and it's in the heat of the moment that tantrums occur. So believe it or not, many people don't believe this, I actually don't provide parents with a ton of guidance for what to do if there's a tantrum. Because I expect, given how proactive this is, given how systematic this is, given how organized we're being, given that the ones that we're using Plan C on can't cause tantrums because they've been removed, and the ones that we're using Plan B on are going to get solved so they don't cause tantrums, there really shouldn't be many tantrums. The tantrums that remain are often unsolved problems that we didn't think of when we were using the ALSIP, and the advice on those is diffuse, de-escalate, keep everybody safe, whatever that looks like. Um, or ones that parents have used plan A on when they shouldn't have. Still the same advice, defuse, de-escalate, keep everybody safe. But now we've got to ask ourselves the question, whether this is in therapy or otherwise, um, how come we used plan A, the imposition of adult will, the imposition of a solution on that unsolved problem, since we're really only supposed to be using plans B and C when we are applying the CPS model. So little by little, guess what I forgot to do? <laughs> little by little, um, this whole enterprise is proactive. Rather quickly, tantrums start to reduce. And I'm not spending a whole lot of time with parents, if any, formally talking about what's going to happen when there's a tantrum because the whole approach is organized around being proactive, being organized, being systematic, and eliminating tantrums. Susie, I bet you've got two cents to add here. Maybe one cent. Um, just when you were talking about prioritizing uh, what problems you're going to be working on, uh, you touched on it, but I just wanted to say that, you know, safety first, and then you could work on frequency or severity, but um, you always want to keep the child safe. Um, and to not pathologize 
the child, that it's a family problem, and, you know, that it takes two people to tango, as you're fond of saying. Um, And lastly, to uh, make an appointment with the child in a calm moment to, to talk about an unsolved problem. It's so important, and it really helps the child to have a heads up um, and it being in a uh, calm time. That's the goal. Ready for another? I don't think we have any callers yet today. We don't. Mm-hmm. Let me give the phone number again. 347-994-2981. Press 1, please. Here's another one. Press 1. Hello, I'm looking for a way to use Plan B with kids who set each other off. Daughter, age 17, is triggered by comments made by um, DD. I think those are the initials of a kid, age 15. And DD is triggered by feeling parented by daughter, age 17. Their explosions are different one violent and aggressive, the other sobbing meltdowns, and usually occur around times of extreme anxiety for one or both. The fighting between the girls triggers anxiety in my seven-year-old who reacts by exploding in his own way, screaming, kicking, hitting, crying. The night before school was horrible for all three. It is difficult to manage all three with empathy and calm, feeling pulled in three directions at once. Add to the mix that my partner in parenting is plan A all the way. How do you do plan B when the two eldest are setting each other off? Um, Susie, me or you? Um, I, I can take a stab at it. Um, Go for it. It's very difficult to have dueling parenting philosophies. Uh, we had that situation in our house, and um, I had to have many Plan B conversations first with my significant other to help him see that we needed to go about things in a different way, a diff- that this was a different way of thinking and viewing our child. Um, in fact, things were so heated in our household that we actually needed a therapist, an outside person, to um, help back me up as well as to help my significant other see the light that we needed to um, implement collaborative and proactive solutions as a model of care for our child and our family. Um, it's it's uh, very difficult with three children and three separate sets of needs, Um, and so I would suggest that each one is dealt with separately, as you've said, um, by keeping a log for a week to um, see the problems that pop up reliably and predictably. Um, 
and to um, fill out the ALSEP, the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems with each child so that um, you know your your effort is organized and you know what you're working on and you know what you're letting, what you're putting on the back burner for now. Good deal. Um, and I'm going to repeat some of the things that we said on the first email. You can do Plan B between kids. And just to echo some of the things that you were talking about, um, th this is not what you want to be doing in the heat of the moment. But I'm going to bet that there are unsolved problems between the siblings that are causing conflict every day, every hour, every week. The crucial thing is to make a list of what those are, prioritize it, and get started proactively solving problems. Yes, it sounds like it is awful when the um, emotionality of the three feeds off of it, each other, and gets each other even more stirred up, um, boy, that becomes a forest fire instead of a brush fire when you've you got three going at it instead of one or two. Um, but the whole idea is to solve problems proactively and collaboratively so that forest fires are minimized. Um, Susie, I know that you talked about the partner who's very plan A. Now we've mm -hmm. added now we've added a drought to the forest <laughs> and we have all kinds of kindling on the forest floor just waiting for um a lightning strike to get the entire thing um blown up. Um so first things first, um you know, first things first, it would be good to talk with the Plan A partner about um, how we're going to approach these things. Um, safe in the knowledge that Plan A has not been working. Um, and the prioritizing piece is crucial. The making a list piece is crucial so this entire process can be proactive. Um, the whole thing sounds horrible, but you know, just about every family that I've ever worked with, and there's thousands of them at this point, um, it sounded horrible before they made their list and before they started solving problems collaboratively and proactively. Um, so I guess those are the key themes. Uh, I don't know many 15-year-olds who are enthusiastic about having their 17-year-old sibling be their parent. Um, I know that my now 16-year-old son was not enthusiastic about it with his now 18-year-old sister. That's a problem that needs to be solved. And my bet is that she's, quote-unquote, parenting him on more specific problems that need to be solved. So there's lots of grist for the Plan B mill in this family just based on the four or five sentences in this one email. So, of course, as always, we wish this mom good luck on her journey. That's all I have to say. Susie, anything else on that one? 
Well, just that, you know, these problems didn't happen overnight, and they're not going, there is no magic pill. But the beauty of the model is that it gives you hope, and um, and it does make things better. And better is a goal. Let's move on to another one. This one says, hello, I am trying to complete the ALSIP and problem-solving plan. However, I'm finding it difficult to identify appropriate specific problems for some of the lagging skills. I'm wondering if there's a list of examples available to put context around this. Let me take a stab at this one. We've been talking about the ALSIP on virtually every person, every question that we've responded to this morning. So for those who are new to the program, let's be more explicit about what we got here. Um, in the walking tour for parents, also for educators, but this is the parents program, so we'll stick with that. In the walking tour for parents on the website, there um, is uh, – the entire second section refers to how to complete the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. And there's a 45-minute audio program in there that people can listen to to help them do it. Um, if you need a copy of the LSIP, that's available not only in that section, but also in the resources section on the Lives in the Balance website, and that's where the problem-solving plan can be found as well. As to this, and, and the LSIP is crucial because it helps us really organize the effort. What we often say here in the CPS territories is that um, it all begins with the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. The ALSIP organizes the effort for us. The ALSIP helps us get the right lenses on. The ALSIP helps us know what we're working on. Um, can't do this model without the ALSIP. Um, but a lot of people run into trouble on completing the ALSIP because um, the process involves identifying a lagging skill and then thinking of unsolved problems that spring to mind when thinking of that lagging skill. So here are some of the, um, here's some of the guidelines for using the ALSIP that might address some of the issues that this mom, I think, is running into on completing the ALSIP. First of all, you don't have to write the same unsolved problem in more than once. Even if a later lagging skill causes the same unsolved problem to spring to mind. Secondly, you want to come up with as many unsolved problems for a particular lagging skill as you possibly can. You don't want to just move on after you've thought of one unsolved problem. You want to think of as many as you possibly can. You don't want to spend any time at all thinking about which lagging skill best explains a particular unsolved problem. You can't figure that out with any level of precision, so you shouldn't try. And if a particular lagging skill come to a lagging skill later on the list and you check it off and you can't think of any unsolved problems, either because none spring to mind or because all the ones you're thinking of you've already thought of with prior lagging skills, that's okay. Just move on to the next lagging skill. There is a list of examples at the bottom of the ALSIP 
there's also, and this is not me trying to sell books, but just providing resources, there's also an ungodly list of unsolved problems in all of the books, The Explosive Child, Lost at School, Lost and Found, Raising Human Beings. Um, so if you want to find a list of unsolved problems, they are out there. Um, I personally don't think you'll need to buy a book to get that list. There's a list at the bottom of the ALSIP, and I think that the recording in the walking tour for parents is going to help a lot. Susie, anything to add to that? Well, it might sound like to some of our new listeners that all of this keeping a log and filling out the ALSIP takes time, and it does. But I just want to say that in the long run, um, because meltdowns and explosions are reduced and, in fact, even eliminated by using collaborative and proactive solutions, you end up saving time. So it's on the front end of things, yes, you are putting in some time, but it's worth the effort. Ready for another? We're making good headway today. Yes. Um, here's another. Um, I wonder. I was wondering if you address the help that homeschooling can be for a child who's oppositional. It has taken us a while, and we're still learning. But we have seen that letting my defiant son take the reins on his education, so to speak, on what he finds interesting and what he wants to learn, to be very helpful. He's passionate about dogs and their care. Surprisingly, he was not learning that at school nor at homeschooling, as we were still tied into the modern concept of what that is supposed to look like. So when we said, go ahead, just learn what you want to learn, my non-reader checked out the whole series of books on dog breeds, read them all, and proceeded to learn about each one, sharing that information with us on a regular basis. He volunteers at the local dog shelter, helping acclimate the dogs to children and learning, so many social skills he would have balked at learning in a regular school, like talking to strangers about dogs, learning how to take orders from the volunteer coordinators, learning how to make suggestions to superiors in a proper manner, following rules that he would have found maddening but was so interested in his work that he went along with them, etc. That's the end of it, but um, let's talk about this a little bit. Um, I think that homeschooling can permit parents or whoever's doing the homeschooling to tailor things to a particular child, and this is a great example of being able to tailor things to a particular child based on his interests. And I think homeschooling probably lends itself to that in ways that may not be practical for classrooms where there are 25 or 30 kids. So I think it is wonderful that because of the more flexible approach that has been taking to this, taken to this child's schooling, that he is now reading and interacting and learning in ways that he wasn't before in a regular school and wasn't before when homeschooling had a more traditional flavor to it. Here's the only things I would say. 
first of all, I think that when we are solving problems collaboratively with a kid, we are finding out what's hard about meeting certain expectations that he is balking at and trying to figure out how we can um, address those concerns. And I think that plan B is going to be necessary for this boy at some point along the way because um, I think we still need to find out what assignments he is balking at working on, whether he is missing crucial aspects of his education by not working on them, find out from him what's hard about them, and see if we can tailor a plan around him, this would be called a solution, so that he's not calling all of the shots on his education, just because we might be concerned that if he's calling all the shots, he's not getting all of what he needs from his education. So even if we didn't arrive at having him be educated in the way he is now that seems to be really invigorating him and he's enthusiastic about it and doing things that he's never done before, I think that sooner or later we're still going to need plan B to find out what's going on on all the other stuff and see if we can come up with solutions for those two. Susie, anything to add to that? I would like to add that uh, through plan B and solving problems proactively and collaboratively, um, it actually repairs relationships with your child and um, the child sees you as an ally and not an enemy. But just to also reiterate how the child needs practice in those areas that uh, subjects that are um, hard for him. So he needs the practice so it won't be so difficult. And, um, you know, just reiterating what you were saying about tailoring a plan around him. I love tailoring. Um, Mm -hmm. Whether a kid is going to get everything he needs if he's calling all the shots on his education I doubt. That's the only part of that that would give me great pause, and I'm betting it would give many educators great pause too. That said, there sure are a lot of parents out there who are um, disenchanted with what their kids are getting at the school they're going to, and especially disenchanted with the discipline program or the rigidity Um, with which the curriculum is being taught. And I know that many parents have begun homeschooling as an act of desperation just because they really felt like they were beating their heads against the wall with the school system. Um, Susie, I know you had some experience with that as well. Maybe we could talk about that a little bit too. Not that all people who homeschool do it because they are disenchanted with the public or charter school system. But I know that many parents do. I know that you did not end up homeschooling, but um, 
what were your experiences in dealing with school systems that were um, not as flexible as you might have hoped they would for kids who needed a lot of flexibility? It was a incredibly frustrating and difficult situation. Uh, we did not homeschool child, but we did end up provide providing um, tutors in each of her subjects to um, help her um, complete the academic material that the course required. Um, it was just a very negative um, experience to to have, you know, counselors saying that we were coddling our child and creating a brat. Um, so it was uh, not an easy time. Very hard. Let's see if we can squeeze one more in here. I think we can do it on this one. Um, this is one we didn't get to from the spring, so we're getting to it now. Believe it or not, we save these. Mm -hmm. uh, I have started to be proactive and learned a lot about my son that sticker charts would never have told me. I'm very happy about that. My son keeps asking me to let him, him use his electronic games before school. I like to limit his electronics to 30 to 45 minutes per day after his homework is done. He gets very agitated after playing with electronics, and I do not think this is a good way to start the day. I keep telling him no, plan A, but I'm not sure how to use plan B on this. I know it must be confusing for him because he sees me plan B other things, like TV time and use of the TV remote, but I really feel it is in his best interest not to use electronics before school. He is nine years old and has ADHD. How do I tell him no to some things and then plan B others? Thanks for your help. How would I explain this to him? Well, here's my quick answer. Um, saying no is not plan A. Imposing a solution is plan A. You have an expectation. Uh, it is your strong preference that your son not use electronic games for, before school. Um, it is your strong preference that he limit electronics to 30 to 45 minutes a day. You have some concerns about that. You um, feel that it is in the best interest not to use electronics before school because he gets very agitated and you don't think that's a good way to start the day. Those concerns will be what you express in the define adult concerns step of plan B. What we need to solve this problem, though, is his concerns in the empathy step of plan B and a mutually satisfactory solution in the invitation step of plan B. You're emailing because plan A is not working very well on this unsolved problem. I think you can do plan, I know you can do plan B on this unsolved problem. I've helped many parents do plan B on this very unsolved problem. Just because a parent feels strongly about a particular expectation doesn't mean it's used, plan A will be used to solve the problem. The plans are not a ranking system. It's not like 
Plan A is the stuff I feel really strongly about. Plan B is the stuff I feel sort of strongly about. And Plan C is the stuff I don't care about. That's not what the plans mean. Plan A is when you are imposing a solution. Plan B is when you are collaborating on a solution. And Plan C is when you have decided to set the problem aside, at least for now. You're not going to be Plan Cing this, but just because it's one you feel really strongly about doesn't mean it's Plan A. We do lots of Plan Bs on unsolved problems that parents feel very strongly about. On that note, Susie, we're going to have to call it a day. We're out of time for today, but we got through six different emails today, and that I don't know, that might be a world record for us. Terrific. Susie, thanks so much for being willing to do this again this year. I know that many parents benefit from your experience and wisdom. Let's call it a day for today. We will be back next week, as always. It's my pleasure, and thanks for doing the program. Bye, all. Bye.